0: Brothers and sisters, the scripture reading this morning is from Mark 8, verse 11 to 38. And the last verses, verse 34 to 38, they form our text. So let us now read Mark 8, verse 11 to 38. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven. When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And then begins our text, verse 34 to 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Brothers and sisters, we love the congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. All over the world, a lot of Christians are suffering, often from persecution. Throughout the history of the church, we see that very often Christians were being persecuted. There were times that things went well, and, and even that the church was the dominant institution in the, in the Roman Empire or, or later in, in, in the Western countries. But often we also see that even within the church things went wrong and, and those who want to remain faithful were persecuted. We know the example of the Reformation where it happened on a big scale. And also in other parts of the world. We often learn about church history in in, in Europe and Western Europe. But in other parts of the world, also in all those centuries, Christians were being persecuted by Muslims, by others. And now again, we see that more and more Christians are being persecuted. People who know what they are talking about, people are watching Christian persecution, they say there has never been a time that there is more that there has been more persecution of Christians than in the past hundred years. Persecution is increasing. If you look at China, if you look at the Middle East, if you look at several countries in Africa, you can follow all the news bulletins that are being sent around by several organisations. And one can wonder, why is it that Christians are being persecuted? Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus Christ has obtained all authority? And doesn't he say that that he is going all over the earth, conquering and to conquer, as it says in Revelation, about the white horse, the word of God that is going all over the world? Yes, and that is true. But the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us that all the suffering of Christians, that is not because of the strength of the enemies, but this is because the way God chooses to spread his word. God is using the persecution of the Christians to build his church. And everyone who wants to serve Jesus Christ has to be willing to suffer persecution. And so be a Christian. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was explaining this to his disciples, it was still before he was being handed over, and they didn't really understand what was going to happen, even though he explained it to them plainly. Still, they didn't understand, and, and Peter resisted this, and he said, no, Lord, you are not going to suffer. We are going to defend you. And, and they were thinking, the disciples were thinking, that they, with Jesus Christ, would go on the last march to Jerusalem and obtain a victory a glorious entry into Jerusalem, and then Jesus Christ was going to sit on the throne. Well, it was totally different, so different that on the day that the Lord Jesus was crucified, the disciples were confused, and they all fled. But after the resurrection, when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to them again, he explained it to them, and then they understood. And after they received the Holy Spirit, then we even read in Acts 5 that they were glad that they were being persecuted because they were deemed worthy to suffer shame for the name. And that is indeed how it is after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. His church is willing to suffer all over the earth to serve Jesus Christ and the preaching of his word. Because the life of a Christian is a way of focusing on Jesus Christ and not on yourself, a way of self-denial. But we also have the promise that this way leads to eternal life. And that's the gospel I proclaimed to you this morning, and I summarize it under this theme A disciple of Jesus takes up his cross and follows Christ. First, this is a way of self denial, and second, this is the way that leads to life. In the previous verses that precede our text, there we read that Jesus Christ prophesied his death to his disciples. He was explaining to them what was going to happen. And then Peter did not accept that. Peter rebuked him, and the Lord said to him, Go behind me, Satan, because what you are doing, that is you are not focused on the work of Jesus Christ, but you're focused on other things, and with that you're hindering me. Well, that must have been a shock for the disciples. They had had followed him. They had given up much for him. They had given up much of their work later they could return to to, to the work again, but only partially. But but they had given up much of their work, and and much of their time, and, and much of their energy to follow him. And they loved him. They, at certain times, even expressed that they were willing to give their lives for him. But they meant that they were willing to suffer for a good cause. But they that in the end, the ultimate victory, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in the end, despite all the resistance, would go to Jerusalem and, and would get at the throne of his father David. But then the Lord Jesus speaks to them that he would, go, would die, that he was going to die. How is that possible? Is the whole movement coming to an end? Is the Lord Jesus giving up? Is he admitting that there is no hope? They refuse to accept it. And we have to try to understand the situation. Often we are so quick in in condemning people in the Bible because they didn't understand. The disciples didn't understand Jesus or other people. They did wrong, we think. But we have to understand the situation. And the Lord Jesus himself here, has patience with them. How would we respond in such a situation? Well, actually, how do we respond when there is a threat of persecution? After we get fearful and we try, we're trying to do whatever we can to escape persecution. That is our first inclination. That's also what the disciples did. They said, well, no, this is not going to happen. The goal is the victory and that's where we go. And if you have to fight for that, fine. We are not going to suffer without fighting. And then the Lord Jesus had to explain to them that that is not the way to go. Jesus knows the struggles of his disciples. And they still had to learn a lot. And and he knew that they wouldn't learn everything while he was still with them. And that the Holy Spirit would come later and he would bring to their remembrance all that he had taught them. And then they would understand. And therefore, he uses this incident of, of Peter rebuking him. He uses this to teach them after he rebuked Peter and in turn he said to Peter go behind me Satan then he uses this opportunity to tell his disciples well this is the way of victory if anyone wants to follow me he has to take up his cross are the disciples willing to follow him are they willing to give their lives for him well then they are also going the way of the cross not the way of battle, but the way of the cross. We have to note here that the Lord Jesus speak, does not speak about his cross. That they have to take his cross upon them. He hasn't, spoken, he hasn't spoken about the cross at all here. About his cross. But he speaks about their cross. Christ's crucifixion is not mentioned here. They have to take up their cross. And with that, the Lord Jesus teaches them that true discipleship means the cross. It's the way of the cross. And the focus here is on the disciples taking up the cross means that they will be rejected. That's, that was the sign of the cross in those days. It, it still is, but... Because we, have, we see the cross as a symbol for Christianity, we often don't understand the meaning of the cross. But when the Lord Jesus told his disciples that he had to take up their cross, then for them the cross was that terrible tool in the hands of the Romans to torture their criminals, their rebels. and Not only to torture them, but also to show that they have been utterly rejected. And it was also in the Old Testament when the Lord spoke to Moses and gave his laws to Moses that anyone who was cursed had to be hanged on a tree. And it showed that he was rejected, rejected by man and by God. So when the disciples are being told that they have to take up their cross, that means that they will face a rejection. They will be cast out from this world. People will turn against them. People will turn away from them. And that is what they should be willing to suffer. They should be willing to deny themselves. Their self-denial is an important part in the life of Christ's disciple. Taking up your cross. That does not mean here that we have to follow the Lord, follow the Lord Jesus Christ in being crucified. The crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ was totally different. It was for our salvation. He saved us by being rejected from God and man. But the disciples taking up their cross, they, well, it is a terrible suffering, but it is not the same as the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples and we taking up a cross, it's a sign of self-denial. Our own life is not important, and our own honor is not important. If we are being shamed in front of the people, if we are being persecuted in front of the people, if people call us out and call us bigots, and then people call us all kinds of names, that shouldn't matter to us, as long as we can speak up for Jesus Christ. And if there is going to be persecution, and if the government is going to make it difficult for us to speak the word of truth, then maybe that is another opportunity for us to speak up, even being dragged into courts. But then when we are there in courts, we can speak up, just like Paul could speak up before kings and governors when he was arrested. So maybe God is creating for us opportunities to speak up. Well, if that happens, let then not our own freedom, our own honor, our own good name, let it not stand in the way of proclaiming Christ. Let's deny ourselves. Let us be willing to suffer shame for the name, because in that way, the gospel can be proclaimed. The cross In the days of the Romans, it was a well-known, but also extremely cruel instrument. Taking up your cross, that could also mean ultimately death, and a terrible death. And it was shocking. Suffering and death. Shame for the followers of Jesus Christ. That was what they had to expect not a fight for freedom, not a battle that may have been difficult, but in the end would, end, uh, w- w- would result in, in glory, in victory. No, they should be willing to suffer and to die on this earth without any hope of obtaining a victory here on earth. They shouldn't try to save their own lives. Give yourself fully to Christ, Lord Jesus teaches us. Depend on Jesus Christ. Deny yourself. Expect everything from Jesus Christ. Follow him. Do what he tells you to do. And what he tells you to do, that is good. And, and whatever the result of that is, you don't care because you care for the Lord Jesus Christ. You care for his gospel to being proclaimed. And who wants to save himself, who wants to escape from persecution, who wants to escape from, from shame in his society... Well, the Lord Jesus Christ says at the end, he will destroy his own life. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And that's what the Lord Jesus says, who is not with me is against me. If you do not confess the name of Christ in this adulterous and sinful generation, well, this adulterous and sinful generation, you don't want to be identified with it. The Lord Jesus Christ typifies this this world as an adulterous and sinful generation. Well, as people of God, you don't want to be part of it. Well, if you don't want to be part of it, then stand up against it and speak up against it. That is the will of Jesus Christ. And if that means suffering, well, rejoice. Rejoice in your suffering because God has deemed you worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. And here again we see that our old nature must die. We must not put ourselves in the first place. We must be willing to put to death every pride, every desire for honor, for glory, every Desire for great things in our lives. We should be willing to go the way of humiliation. No, that is not meant to earn our salvation by doing so. Like throughout the the centuries, you have had, well, the Roman Catholics call them saints, some people who were seeking suffering so that they could receive glory through that. They were willing to give up their life for Jesus Christ. But there were also some who who sought suffering while there was no need for it. They gave themselves up without being sought out. And that is not our task. It is not our task to seek suffering. Because if we seek suffering, then there again there is an element of we want to do something that makes us special and that makes us earn part of our salvation. And that is totally wrong. But if it happens that in your task to preach the gospel, to speak the gospel, to reach out to this world, to speak up against all the sin in this world, if it happens that you suffer, don't fear but rejoice. Because God has already chosen you to serve him and to suffer shame for the name. And if God has already chosen you, you don't don't need to earn your salvation anymore because your salvation is certain. So your suffering is nothing to earn your salvation. Your suffering is, is just the result of God having chosen you and God purifying you so that you deny yourself and are totally focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is what we do, And more and more we will notice that we are also being raised to a new life. And more and more we notice that we don't fear this world, that we don't fear those who can kill the body. And more and more we will notice that we long to confess Christ, and we can do so without fear. Oh yes, I know in the beginning there is still a lot of fear and and uncertainty, and and angst also for, for, for persecution. But the more you fight against it and the more you let Christ work in you through His Spirit, the more you do speak up, you will notice that the Spirit works in you. So, Brothers and sisters, whenever you see things happening and you, and you believe that, that it, this is wrong, then speak up. When in school you see your, your, your friends, your classmates doing things that are not right, speak up. Certainly among Christians that. That must happen. But also when you're working and you're working with unbelievers and you see them doing things that are not right, speak up. The last thing we should do is is doing the same as they do. We should speak up against them and we should never join them in their evil deeds. And when you're doing that, then, then just wonder, why would you fear? Why would you fear? If you see someone else doing something wrong then, and, and speak up, why would you fear? Because you know that God is in heaven and Jesus Christ is seated at his right hand. And if you confess his name, then you have a powerful advocate in heaven. God, his own son, Jesus Christ, who protects us. If God is for us, who will be against us? But if you are more concerned about your own honor if you're more concerned on on short-time glory, if you're more concerned about not being seen as an outsider, well, then you may receive glory here on this earth for a short while, but you know that in the long term, Jesus Christ will not know you. When you knock on the doors of heaven and they are closed for you, Christ will say, I don't know you. And it brings us to our second point. This is the way that leads to life. In verse 29, there Peter confessed that he is the Christ, and, and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. But then right away thereafter, he begins to speak about suffering. Verse 31, he speaks about suffering. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. As, as, Christ, as, as Christians, we share in the anointing of Jesus Christ. And therefore, when Jesus Christ speaks about his suffering, thereafter, right away, he also speaks about our suffering. Verse 34, our text, follows right after where Jesus spoke about his own suffering. And that is our task as priests. As Christians, we are prophets, priests, and king with our Lord Jesus Christ. We share in his anointing. As priests, we will bring ourselves as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to the Lord, as Paul says in Romans 12. Our life depends on the death of Jesus Christ. If Christ didn't die, we would not receive life. If Christ didn't die and and did not raise from the dead, then we wouldn't have life at all. So our life depends on the death of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ is his sacrifice, The sacrifice which he brings for our sins. But at the same time, as Paul says in Romans 6, through baptism, by faith, we are united with him in his death. So that we will also be united with him in his resurrection. It goes together. And if we are not united with him in his death, we will not be united with him in his resurrection either. So when the Lord is working in our lives and if it goes through suffering, then we know that we are being transformed in the image of Christ. Transformed into the image of Christ. Think about it. What is the image of Christ that we have? The image of Christ is the lamb that was slain. That is how he is symbolized in the book of Revelation. He is the lamb that took away the sins of the world as as John prophesied about him. The image of Christ is the image of suffering through suffering to victory. We are being transformed in the image of Christ through suffering to victory also for us. This is what the Apostle Paul also describes in, in Romans 8. If you look at Romans 8, verse 16 and 17, read, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that he may also be glorified with him. And it's not only there, and in many other parts, the Apostle Paul and and the other Apostles speak about suffering with Jesus Christ. And they all say the same, suffering that is part of the life of the Christian, because Well, the one says we are being transformed in the image of Christ. And the other says we have to follow Jesus Christ, Hebrews 12, take up our cross. That is being transformed in the image of Christ. Being transformed in the image of Christ is more than becoming perfect. And often that's what we talk about, being transformed in the image of Christ, that is being without sin. And yes, That's an important part of it, the most important part of it. But it goes through suffering, the dying of the old nature. That is our suffering. And when God chooses us to suffer, then he is working with us to make us new, to transform us into the image of Christ. That means for many Christians that they will suffer shame. And many Christians also that they will be persecuted because of Christ. They take up their cross. Because they wanted their old nature to die. They want to be renewed. And it's not only the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's, it's also all those who, who follow him. We, we look at, if you look at verse 34, and calling the crowd to him with the disciples. The previous part where Peter confessed Jesus as a Christ and where Jesus foretold his death and resurrection, he told to his disciples in private, But now, what he's going to say now, everyone must know. Everyone must come and hear this. And therefore he called the crowd together, together with the disciples. And then he started telling them, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to take up his cross. Every Christian must expect persecution. And verse 36 and 37, there he explains, it is about winning or losing your soul. If you want to receive eternal life, you must be willing to suffer. You must be eager to suffer for the Lord. And that is being put here over against the worldly wealth. We live in in a world which is filled with wealth and and, and sin and and complacency and people focus on their own well-being, their own glory, people who put themselves in the first place, people who are proud... That is the world, full of pride and sin. Pride and, sin. and over against that, the Lord Jesus says, the life of the Christian is that you must be willing to take up your cross, that you must take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. That you say no to the wealth of the world, that you say no to the glory of the world, that you say no to what is important in the world, but that you say yes to Jesus Christ, I believe, I follow you wherever you go, whatever it costs, whenever, whatever I have to suffer for that. And these circumstances that Paul also writes in Romans 8, verse 31 to 39, that we have the certainty, even if you have to go through suffering, even if it costs us a life, if God is for us, who will be against us? Against us shall be none. And that is the beautiful gospel which we have. Through suffering, to glory. That gives us certainty in this world. This world does not last. And despite all riches and wealth and and, and pride you see in the world, we know that this world is suffering. Paul writes about it in Romans 8 as well. And and many try to escape this suffering of the world. But this world is suffering under the curse of sin, under the loneliness so often, under, under so many things which are the result of sin. A lot of people are not really happy. But we have the certainty that, yes, we also are suffering, but our suffering will come to an end. And we will receive the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns again on the clouds of heaven. That is the trust which we may have in this life. And this world, so often people don't know where to seek it. And some of them commit suicide. That's the sadness of people who are so caught up in in, in what's happening on this world. But we may encourage each other, time and again, lift up your eyes and lift up your heart to Jesus Christ. And there you may find hope. And even if your suffering is so severe that you have a hard time handling it, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will protect you. He will defend you. And then you may know that By faith, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, Paul says. We can say, Abba, Father. The world can take everything away from us, but this they cannot give away from us, that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We will inherit this entire creation when Jesus Christ returns. We will reign with him over all creatures. That is the future which we have, and that is certain. Who shall bring a charge against God's elects? God is the one who justifies. This world can say what they want, but we find rest in God. God will vindicate us, and that now already gives us rest. It will become public on the last day, when before the eye of the entire world, all those who are in Christ are being vindicated, and all those who are not in Christ are being judged. We are certain about God's love for us. Nobody shall separate us from him. Do we worry about our position in the world then? Threats of the world? Also the push of the whole woke and LGBTQI and some more of this movement? Are we worried about our religious freedoms? We don't need to. God protects us. Christ teaches us don't worry. That is part of life. It belongs to life. That's the world in which you live. And you know that. But that's not the end. The end will be glorious. This adulterous and sinful generation, verse 38, you don't even want to be part of it. You don't even want to receive honor from them. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. In Him we find rest. And therefore, brothers and sisters, always, every day again, every day again follow Him on the way of life even if it goes through suffering and death. But you know where the the way leads. And the Lord in heaven, he is there always to protect us and guide us on our ways. If God is for us, against us shall be none. Amen.